Our text has already been read coming from Mark's Gospel, chapter 7, verses 24 through 30. And it tells us about a Syrophoenician woman whose name we never know. But one thing we know is that this woman is desperate and her desperation turns into ter determination moving through her faith. Down through history, the story of the Syrophoenician mother has been taught, preached, and told, but rarely is it explained just how important this encounter between this foreign woman and Jesus is to people who feel like an outsider. In this gospel, it helps us to see where many borders were crossed and not just those of geographical origin. In Mark's gospel, when this woman approached Jesus in the manner in which she did, she, I believe, was at a place of desperation and found the determination to get her daughter some help, no matter the cost. Death could have been the price she paid, but that was of no significance to her as she approached Jesus and engaged in conversation with him. There's a tendency in our culture and religious settings to set boundaries for who can and will receive a blessing or a healing from God. We have become so entrenched with our rules, our regulations, our dogma and traditions that if people don't fit our model or mold for who should get a blessing, they become the lost, the forgotten and the castaway. Christ shows us through his sovereignty that while we are determining who is able to receive a blessing, he shows us that he will bless whomever when he decides to bless, how he wants to bless, and when he wants to bless. He shows us that he is not bound by our boundaries. This woman was alone outside of her, her conforming group or she was confronting a group of men to get healing that she needed for her daughter. This raises numerous questions for me. Who was this woman that she would so boldly confront a group of men in the street without considering the consequences of her actions? Who was she that race, religion, class, nor gender, her social status, ethnicity, nor the fact that she was de demonically connected made her any difference? Who was she that her name didn't matter? I tell you who she was. She was a desperate mother and only a desperate woman would attempt to engage Jesus in this way. But this woman was a lot more than just desperate and aggressive. She was a Syrophoenician, which means she is from Canaan, a region that was not a part of God's covenant relationship as with the Israelites. From this extremely disadvantaged position, she makes a petition on her daughter's behalf. She begged that her daughter be released from the demon that is tormenting her. In Matthew's gospel, she not only asks Jesus for something, she calls on him in his royal name. She says, Jesus, son of David. That means she knew exactly who he was. Why would she seek him out to solve her problem? Except this could be the turning point at which the Gentiles are given the opportunity to embrace a God they have never come to know or trust and God the Father is using this woman who has so many things working against her as a vessel to demonstrate his love, not only for the Jew, but for the Gentile as well. He allows her desperation to line up with her determination so we would have the benefit of his manifestation of healing. She was op an opening through which an unbeliever now has a reference knowing that if her faith was strong enough, to move on God's heart to receive what she needed, 
then we too have that same benefit, but we must operate and come to him in faith. Although this mother is an outsider according to Old Testament teachings, she crosses the barriers of gender, culture, race, and ethnicity. She doesn't allow those things to hinder her faith in God. This suggests that the boundary that separates Jews and Canaanites is an important issue here. The boundary of religion is also raised at this point. Jesus has gone to a region where the people are notoriously known as being godless. According to Matthew's gospel, they have responded to his prior actions, his prior actions with repentance and sackcloth and ashes. Here comes a woman from this region to whom Jesus responds half-heartedly. What happened to Jesus's record of compassion and love? Was he not the one who had done so many previous healings? Could she possibly have encountered a counterfeit pretending to be Jesus? No, she was talking to the same Jesus who had healed Peter's mother-in-law and the demonic earlier in this gospel. So why was his response to her so cold? Why was she disregarded when she approached him in a reverential manner? Why was he ignoring her when she asked him to heal her daughter? Why was she met with such a stony silence? I, I want to suggest that is because G she has put Jesus in a precarious predicament. He knows that his assignment is to the lost sheep of Israel. Nevertheless, this woman has caused him to publicly disregard someone who has approached him with reverence when she called on him as the son of David. This woman, according to historical teaching, is a non-believer, yet she is seeking help from him with her problem. In addition to her being disregarded by Jesus, she's also dealing with a group of misguided men who are obviously, as Paul says, thinking more highly of themselves than they ought. She called out to Jesus and their responses to send her away because she keeps calling out to them. People of God, not anywhere in the scripture, when I researched, was I able to find where this woman had asked the disciples for anything. They didn't have what she needed. It's comforting to know that Jesus didn't respond to them, but rather to her. In verse 24, Jesus in a nice way tells her that she is not of the house of Israel. But this woman is obviously privy to the teachings of the Israelites because she does something that moves at the heart of God. She worshiped him. She touches his compassion for the weary to the point that he remains in communication with her. This must have moved him because he is able to see her humility desperation, her posture of respect, her attitude of perseverance and determination, and most of all, her faith in what he is able to do. So her faith is tugging at his heartstrings. He's no longer concerned with the fact that she's a woman, that she's a foreigner, that she's without a man and without status. I say this because he says to her that it is not kalos or right to take the food, the bread, from the children of Israel and give it to a dog. Now, let me help some of you all out. A dog in biblical times had many connotations. The Greek translation, kunaria, means little puppy that lives inside the house. Catch me in the spirit. She has moved from, moved in conversation with him from being an outsider to becoming someone who lives inside the house. 
The Dake Reference Bible states that the Gentiles were called dogs by Jews, so Christ was merely using the common language of his people. But this woman was relentless. She responded by saying, yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. This meant that whatever he fed the children of the house of Israel, she was willing to take whatever part she could get. If they were entitled to the loaf, she as an outsider was willing to take the crumbs from the loaf. Now, let me put this in Lisa terms. I believe that if the loaf had healing in it, so did the crumbs. And she wanted whatever she could get for the sake of her daughter. Her faith, her worship, and uncompromising way of thinking started to unravel all of the cultural and class barriers that she originally encountered. This determination brought about her desired outcome. This is familiar to me as I have been involved with organizations where I found subtle and sometimes not so subtle attitudes of racism and sexism attempting to keep me from my desired goal also. For five years, I served as an athletic director in the public school system where I retired, from which I retired. In this position, I had to attend many meetings where I would be the only woman and many times the only representation of my race. This would normally have caused me to feel like an outsider, but I knew what my assignment was. I knew that I could not let people's racism and sexism keep me from getting what I was sent to do accomplished. I was sent to do a job with excellence and I was determined to do just that. Was it tough? Absolutely. Sometimes I wanted to get up and walk out, but I knew that I could not let the good old boy network keep me from completing what I was sent to do. I had to push past the fact that I didn't fit into many of the socioeconomic statuses that were, sit that were sitting in the room with me. I had to disregard the fact that they would huddle and plan and attempt to exclude me when it was time for scheduling and budgeting. I had to focus on what I was needed, what, what I needed when I met up with some of these men and not let their insecurities become mine. I knew what I was sent to do and I had to exercise my faith often. I had to call on the name of the Lord often and ask him to change a situation that was not good for me, but good for others who had to come behind me. I had to take on the posture of worship unto God and walk in faith that the Lord had me in this predicament for a reason. I, like this woman, felt periodically that Jesus was not speaking to me at all. I felt like an insider many days. For a while, I thought I had stepped outside of my privileges as a believer, but my faith wouldn't let me give up. I had to be persistent in my communication with God. By the time I resigned from that position as athletic director, I was friends with most of the men who initially saw me as an outcast and tried to keep me out. Why do I share this story? It's because of persistent faith. We've all had a time in our lives when we want to make sure that we are doing what God has sent us to do, but we don't fit in to the boundaries that other people have set. The Lord spoke to this woman when she let her faith be made known. He said, for saying that, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. This was a powerful impact for not only this woman who was an outcast, because she got her what she was desiring and successfully crossed all kinds of barriers. But it was impactful because it paved the way for us. 
because of her persistent faith, she was able to cross these lines and make sure that others who came behind her knew that they could do the same thing. Because of this Canaanite woman, we must look beyond this just being Mark's message to his people. We must also embrace the fact that this woman was used to break down barriers for those who have been marginalized, the left out, the people who don't fit into our borders, whatever they may be. She helps us to see an extreme example of those who may seek to enter our communities of faith. She helps us to see that if our attention to the community is directed from our hearts and not our personal attitudes and biases, that we can open up to other people who don't look like us, who don't walk like us or talk like us. This woman's petitioning of Jesus is a sign of seeking to share the blessings and promises of the kingdom. She represents both the potential for the entry of outsiders into the kingdom and the risks that might be involved. She is an example of faith. Faith is unshakable confidence in Jesus and her faith in this Jewish Messiah is tenacious. This story brings to the forefront the issues that we continue to deal with even today. Even though Jesus was originally sent only to Israel, we have seen down through the ages that being an Israelite does not guarantee salvation. The true connection to salvation is our faith. Faith has nothing to do with your race, nothing to do with your gender, ethnicity, social status, or religion, nor your sexual preference. It has to do with how you connect to God. It brings you into relationship and constant communication with him. Elaine Wainwright says, her faith isn't what moved the barriers because that came later after the death and resurrection of Christ where the disciples are told to go and preach the gospel into all nations. We should go and do likewise.